0: prayed and I've prayed and uh, as we start the new year, you always, uh, you know, you always want to start the new year with a bang, right? And uh, Friday night, uh, Saturday morning at my house, we started the new year with a bang because my neighbor thought it was appropriate to set fireworks off at midnight for about 30 minutes. Public service announcement right here. Don't set fireworks off at midnight, all right? And uh, we started off the, the new year with a bang, and we're going to start off the new year uh, here in the book of James. If you know anything about your Bible, know about the New Testament, the, the book of James is a very unique book. It's, it's sort of different than the rest of the books uh, in the New Testament. And, and if you, you read the New Testament, it's broken down into several sections, the Gospels. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then you have Paul's 13 epistles. Then you have the book of Hebrews. And uh, the Apostle Paul, he generally follows a certain uh, style of writing. But James is totally different. Totally different. And, uh, but if there's one book in the Bible that I would say that you could read and just learn how to live life as a Christian, it's the book of James. James is very practical. James is not, I don't want to say this in the wrong way and and, and go out on the internet in the wrong way to say this, but the, the book of James doesn't necessarily explain theology. It doesn't necessarily explain doctrine. It just assumes that you know who God is and that you believe in God, and then he tells you some things that maybe you should do and some things that you shouldn't do. And I like that, don't you? I mean, I like things that are practical and applicable and very easy to read. And so uh, we're going to read, just, we're just going to read four verses this morning. So if you want to stand, the book of James, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And we're going to read this. If you're there, say amen. Did you get there? Amen. All right, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. Then he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be here on the first Sunday of this year. and God, I thank you for the ones that were able uh, to put forth the effort to be here this morning. God, I just pray that you would bless them. And Lord, we know that there's a lot of people that would love to be here this morning that are not able to be here, whether that be through health problems or, or Lord, we know that there's several sick. And God, I just pray that you would bless them and help them and just touch the ones that are watching by way of internet this morning. And God, as we dive into your word into the book of James, Lord, I pray that you would open our minds, open our hearts to hear your word and apply it to our lives and hear what you would have us to say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. James, it says, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's three schools of thought on who James is. I'm not really going to get into those too deep. Some think it could be James the brother of John. Some think it could be another James. But most scholars think that this guy, this James, was James the half-brother of Jesus. Now could you imagine being the half-brother of Jesus? Did anybody in here ever have a sibling rivalry growing up? Anybody? Nobody? Everybody? Nobody fought with their siblings. My goodness, y'all are starting the year lying is what's going on. When I was growing up, my sister was 10 years older than I was. So when I was born, she was 10. So when I was big enough to bother her, about 5 years old, she was 15. So my sister would just punch me. There wasn't any rivalry to it. But I, I couldn't imagine being a sibling to the Lord Jesus Christ. Could you? I mean, you know, you're always, you're always joking as kids about, you know, your, your parents are showing favoritism to your sibling. Well, aren't they just the perfect child, Well, Jesus was, and James was his younger brother. And the New Testament teaches us that nobody in Jesus' family, at least his siblings, really believed that he was even Christ until after his resurrection. So not only did, were they raised with Jesus and they saw the things that he did, but when Jesus uh, in, in the early part of his ministry came and said, I'm the Christ and he was baptized by John the Baptist, his family stood back and basically said, who does he think he is? And then they saw him uh, working in his ministry and they saw him be crucified. Now remember, this guy was the brother of Jesus And Jesus must not have put a lot of faith in him. You know how you know that? Because when Jesus was dying on the cross as the oldest son, he looked down at his mother, right? Anybody remember where I'm going with this? And he said, Behold thy son. And he was referring to John, the beloved Then he looked at John and he said, John, behold thy mother. And so Jesus must not have thought a whole lot of James at this point because he didn't even turn the care of his mother over to his brother, but yet one of his disciples. But yet after Jesus resurrected himself from the dead and defeated death, he came back and then James suddenly became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He became one of the leaders at the church of, of Jerusalem. And here he wrote this book called The General Epistle of James. There is your introduction. James, a servant, or in this Greek word that he wrote here, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he starts off, he kicks it off with a, with a really good uh, thing to talk about. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Now, if there's a Bible verse that makes me scratch my head, it's this one, right? I mean, when I used to read this growing up, I would read the book of James. I read the New Testament several times through. And I would read this verse when he says, my brethren, the church, he says, count it all joy. There's a lot of things that I count joyous, right? A lot of things that I, I enjoy and a lot of things I like to do. You know, I like to, to go be with my family. When I'm with my family, there's joy. When I'm with my friends, there's joy. When I'm at church, there's joy. But let me say this. when I When I get tempted and when I fall into temptation, that doesn't seem very joyous, does it? I mean, has anybody in here ever been tempted and just said, Whoa, glory, I'm getting tempted right now. Praise the Lord for that. That's just not our natural reaction, is it? And so why would James write such a statement? I mean, you would think that, that James might not have had his medication that morning. Or he might have been a little bit off his rocker to say something like, Brethren, when you fall into temptation, count it all joy. Just, just just get excited when when temptation comes your way why don't you just why don't you just have a big smile on your face? It don't make sense. Temptation is something that we all deal with. I'll tell you about some temptation the other day the other night uh Thursday I took parker deer hunting and uh and don't i mean Do something with kids, okay? I took Parker deer hunting, and uh, I looked at Parker, and I said, Parker, where we're going deer hunting, I've always seen a deer. I've never in my life not seen a deer where we're going deer hunting. In fact, the property owner told me that we're pretty much guaranteed to see a deer, and Parker was going to shoot a deer. And we got down there, and we sat down, and we never saw a deer. We sat there for about two hours, and, and these, where we were at, and I, I won't mention any names because they're in the, they're in the sanctuary this morning, but uh, this person tells you that you can set your watch to these deer, and they never showed up. And Parker took it like a little champ. He did. I mean, he held his head up, and, and uh, I took the gun away from him, of course, when, when we didn't see any deer because I didn't want him to get mad. And we left, and, and, and uh, it was dark. And we were driving down the road and we saw two deer on the side of the road. Parker looked at me and he said, would you turn the truck around? (laughs) You didn't really say that, did you, Parker? He He said, why don't we go back and go knock on their door and see if we can shoot one of those deer in their yard. Temptation comes in many forms, doesn't it? But we didn't. We didn't do anything illegal. And if you're watching on the internet, we did not do anything illegal. Don't call the TWRA. We're completely legal. Temptation shows up when you least expect it, right? But it doesn't always look like we think temptation looks like. You see, there's a word in front of the word temptations here. It says, in your Bible, it probably says divers, right? D-I-V-E-R-S. But you can add another E to that to to put it in our modern language. Brethren, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. See, it doesn't always look like we think it looks. When we think of temptation, when I mention the word temptation, it probably brings something to your mind like uh, automatically something like, well, you do something, you're tempted to do something you shouldn't. Or you're tempted to go somewhere that you shouldn't. Or you're tempted to say something that you shouldn't. And temptation is, is naturally is, is sin, or it will cause sin. In fact, I'm going to read a verse on down here. If, if you want to skip down with me, just a few verses. It says in verse 13, But let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted. You see that? Now that's important. If if you you think that you're above temptation, you're not. If you think you're above this, you're not. It says, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And then James says something very practical. Do not err, my beloved brethren. For a few minutes, we're going to talk about temptations. We'll talk about trials. And, and he mentions the word trial and, and how that your faith is tried. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Write this down if you want a title for this sermon. Generally, I don't title my sermons. But it's this. Temptations can either be stumbling blocks where they can be building blocks. All right, Temptation can either be a stumbling block in your life or a building block. Now back to verse number 2. Let's go back to that. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Why did James say that? I'm going to answer that question as best I know how this morning. Every time that you're faced with a temptation, what is a temptation? It's something that hits you and faces you, and it causes you a temptation always causes you to make a decision, right? When you're faced with something, a temptation can can be something that is going to cause you to sin, or a temptation can, can simply be this, it's a trial or a test. It can be a trial. A temptation can be a trial that you're going through. It can be something that you're facing that, that will not necessarily even cause you to sin. But know this, that when you're tempted... Or when you're going through a trial in life, you're always faced with a decision, right? Now put yourself in, in whatever, whatever it is you're tempted with. Anybody, can anybody think of a temptation they faced in the last month or two, six months, maybe a year? You can think of that. Just, just put that in your mind. <clears throat> when you were faced with that temptation, you made a decision to do the right thing or to do the wrong thing. If you did the right thing, you turned and you went the other way when that temptation faced you. For some of you, it may be that for men, I'm I'm just going to preach to the men for a minute. Is that okay? Pray for my throat. It's still not doing well. It may be that you see a woman that's not your wife, not your girlfriend, and you're tempted to think about that. I said this in our Sunday school class or in our Wednesday night class. Women are tempted by different things than men. But we all will face those temptations. And when that temptation comes, you're going to make a decision to either fulfill that temptation or to turn away from it. But with every temptation comes a decision and after the decision comes an opportunity. Here's why James says, count it all joy. When you are tempted, you have an opportunity to do something that's wonderful. You know what that is? To grow closer to God. See, as a Christian, you should never remain the same. I would, I would like to, it would be neat, I guess, to, to take a survey, or it would have been neat to take a survey in 2021, at the beginning, January 2021. And maybe just ask yourself a few questions like, how close am I to God? Is my relationship with God good? Do I consider myself to be close to God? And then ask yourself those same questions today at the beginning of 2022 and ask yourself, is my relationship with God good? Am am I closer to God this year at the end of this year than I was at the beginning of last year? If you say, no, my relationship with God is not better than it was last year, then you probably need to do some investigation in your life. Amen? You probably need to ask yourself some questions and say, why am I not closer to God than I was last year? It could be this. It could be because you gave into some temptations, right? Not big things, not major things, but small things. Tempted to do things that you shouldn't. We face temptation because we live in a fallen world. We face temptation because it's all around us. Sin is everywhere that we look, and we're always tempted to do wrong. I don't like that, do you? I don't enjoy that. I I, I, I don't enjoy temptation. I don't enjoy the thought of having to go through temptations. But know this, in verse 3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Verse number 12, let's read that. Blessed or blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. We all say that we want to grow closer to God. We all say that that yes, I would like to do this and that, and 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 have a better relationship with God. Well, maybe if you would, if you, when you face your temptations, if you would make the right decision, you would grow closer to Him. It's like this: over the Christmas holiday and over uh, New Year holiday, and even Thanksgiving. You know, there's there's all these holidays that just get lumped together, right? Like it's just chaos and. Now the chaos is almost over, and I'm thankful for that. But you tend to see people that you haven't seen in a while, right? Like Thanksgiving, your family shows up. Christmas, your family shows up. And and some of you groan and and complain when you see certain family members. and, And you're happy to see certain family members. But as family, we all have a relationship with each other, right? And we are to have that relationship with God. And it seems like that every year... At Thanksgiving or at Christmas or whenever I see my family, I always end up saying something like, "Hey, you know we need to get together. We need to do more things and we need to we need to do this, and we need to do that, and we need to hang out and we get, get our families together I've got a first cousin that's a preacher, he lives three miles from me, and I see him about four times a year. And every time I see him, I say, hey, we need to get together. But there's always something between us. It's it's not tension. We're not mad at each other. It's just that we don't see each other. We don't talk to each other. And and when you don't do those things, you get separated. It's not that you are mad at that person. It's not that you want to be in, in a, not have that relationship with them. It's just that you don't. See, some people are tempted in this way. You get tempted by the things of this world. You get tempted to work more and to, to do more in, in your job and to do more than, than you, you really have time to do. See, temptation isn't always like we think of it as sin. Temptation can be that we get tempted and we get, uh, get enticed to do other things. And our relationship with God begins to suffer. We get tempted to spend less time with God. And when trials come our way, it gets even, it even uh, you throw another wrinkle in the thing, if, if I can say that. How many of you have faced a trial last year? Did you, I, I mean, you think of trials like, I think of trials like people dying, people getting sick, in your life, uh, you know, things happen, where does temptation come in in that when your faith is tried? See, when a trial comes your way, a decision has to be made too. When a trial comes, trials cause, I mean, it causes major decisions with God. What I see a lot of times is when people face trials, when their faith is tried like it's talked about in in verse number 3, when people get tried and when trials come their way, they either get closer to God or they get further away from God. That's because they're tempted with things such as unbelief. They're tempted to question the plan that God has sometimes. I think about Christians who are older, older. And I'm not going to say who's older, because if you start making that decision for yourself, you get in trouble real fast, amen? In fact, I joked with somebody earlier about their age, and I don't think they liked it too well, so I apologize to you, Sister Joe. But anyways, (laughs) Uh, but I think about people who have been through a lot and have faced a lot of adversity in life. And you think about uh, older people and and when you think about temptation, you generally think about younger people. Would you agree with that? Like you think about younger people face more temptation and are tempted with more things and and have a a lot more to deal with. That's generally what we think. When we think of temptation, we think about lust and drugs and alcohol and, and this and that, and we have this big list of sins. But then you think about older people. I think about somebody in this church that's older, maybe 70, 80, 90 years old, and and you think, well, they don't face the top temptations that the younger people do. But let me tell you this, that they have something that younger people do not, and that is patience for the most part. Not, not Not every older person has patience like they should have, but most older people, I would say, are more patient they're, they're more patient in the things of God. They're more patient when things come their way. I mean, younger people, and I, I would like to consider myself a younger person, but the doctor called me middle-aged the other day, and I didn't like that very well. And, and younger people, it seems that when we face things, we're more likely to give in to them. We're more likely to fall into that temptation or that lust or that whatever it may be. But older people, they can, they can just kind of let it go. If that makes sense. Why is that? Because they have that patience. Why? Because their faith has been tried. And that works patience. See, when these trials come your way, when these temptations come your way, you have that opportunity to grow closer to God. For your faith to grow, for your patience to grow, for your relationship to grow you think about a really godly person, and that, that's how they became that godly person. It's by facing trials and getting through them and trusting God and continuing in the faith even though they've went through some awful things and they've stayed with God and they've become a person of faith. But then you think on the, the other hand, the, 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 the other side of the, the tracks, if you will, you have people that are lost or people that don't have a good relationship with God, what's the difference in that? Well, I would say this, that they have continued to give in to temptation. They have questioned God in their trials. They've they've not stayed as faithful to God, and they don't have patience. And they don't have that right relationship with God as they should. Let patience have her perfect Work. I like how he calls patience her. By the way, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I will. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to make a prediction. I'm not a. I'm not a charismatic guy, and I'm not going to prophesy this. Because uh, I remember a charismatic preacher prophesying that COVID was going to go away two years ago. And uh, that didn't come to pass, so I'm not going to say this is a prophecy. But this is my prediction, uh, because, because it's going to happen, is that you're going to face temptations, right? You're going to face trials. Uh, you may be tempted in the littlest ways, and you may be tempted in major ways. You may go through little bitty trials. You may go through major trials. It's going to happen. It's going to happen this year. It's going to happen next year. It's going to happen until Jesus comes back. Amen? And then it'll be over because we'll be out of this sin-cursed world. But when you face those things, those trials and temptations, why don't we try to look at them through a different lens? Instead of when a temptation comes our way or when a trial comes our way, instead of groaning and complaining, because we all know that we're good at groaning and complaining when things are not going our way, right? I mean, it seems like that, that we're experts in that, especially Free Will Baptist. Say amen right there. I mean, we're, we can groan and complain and grumble with the best of them when things aren't happening and going our way like we think they should. But when those trials and those temptations come your way, look at it as an opportunity to grow closer to God. Look at it as a, as a way to, for your relationship to, with God to grow stronger, for your faith to, to be tried, and pass that test. That's what a temptation is. It's a trial or a test. I'm going to read verse 12 again, and then I'm going to close. It says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And God, we thank you this morning for your word. And temptation is, is not a subject that, that people like to talk about, and it's, it's not something we want to necessarily uh, bring up in a church service. But Lord, we all face things. We all face those, those trials and, and, and those tests in life that are uncomfortable. Things that make us uh, just squirm at the thought of them. But Lord, we know that with every temptation and with every trial, there's a way of escape. And that there's a way that we can use those to grow closer to you. Lord, I pray that you would help us as a church to grow closer to you. Lord, there's nothing I would like to see more than than people get their heart right. And people grow closer to you so that we can glorify you In 2022, in Jesus' name, amen.